episode of Progress, Potential, and Possibilities, discussions with fascinating people designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of our show with another fascinating guest today, uh, helping to create a better tomorrow on uh, several different fronts. And we're going to be talking at sort of the fascinating intersection of uh, areas today from consumer packaged goods to artificial intelligence and everything in between. Uh, today, we're going to be journeying back to our friends at the uh, Pepsi Company. Uh, and today, uh, you know, having the honor of being joined by Stefan Gans, who is Senior Vice President uh, and Chief of Consumer Insights and Analytics Officer at PepsiCo, uh, where he currently leads the company's focus on better understanding uh, emotional motivations, anticipating consumer behaviors, uh, strengthening our customer connections, and driving uh, ultimate uh, business growth at Pepsi. Uh, prior to joining Pepsi, Stefan was the Chief Strategy Officer for Interbrand North America, where he oversaw uh, both their North American and global practices. Uh, before joining Interbrand, uh, he was the co-owner and CEO of the Global Marketing Consultancy Effective Brands, where he focused uh, exclusively on building effective marketing organizations for global brand leaders. Uh, it was acquired by WPP uh, back in 2014. Uh, Stefan began his career at Unilever, where he held both brand management and leadership roles in the, Europe and the United States. Uh, he has a, a master's in econometrics in the University of Amsterdam. A lot of very exciting topics to talk about today. Uh, Welcome, Stefan Gans, to the show. Thanks, Ira. It's great to be here. It, it's uh, it's great having you. Um, you know, I, I'd love to start things off uh, as we typically do, just uh, by you know a couple more minutes about your background, uh, a little bit about how you uh, you know got interested in the whole area of econometrics, and a little bit of your journey into the uh, area of fast moving consumer goods, personal care, skincare, and so forth. At the beginning, I think that'd be a great way to uh, to start things off with who you are. Oh, that sounds good, Ira. So. Um... I have to smile a little bit when, because you ask about why why econometrics. It's a, uh, I mean the, the the decision journey there was uh, um, well first of all of course I was sixteen or seventeen when I decided that that is what I wanted to study. I liked math in high school a lot, and um, the only other thing I was sure of is that I didn't want to do what my dad did, and that is uh, he's he's a shrink, and and so I I was looking for something sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum, I guess. So uh, I decided to do econometrics and, and really enjoyed that. Um, however, uh, coming out of that, I realized that I didn't, I didn't really want to work in it straight away, right? Uh, I, I, I felt uh, more attracted to the, the field of marketing and joined uh, Unilever um, uh, in that space and spent 15 years with Unilever in, in, in various categories. Uh, most of the time in, well, actually sort of 50-50 in, in personal care, so skin care, shampoo, and uh, in, in the US and, uh, and the Netherlands, where I'm from, and, uh, and the other 50% of my time in uh, ice cream and, and frozen foods. Um, and after 15 years of, uh, of, of, with, of being with that company, I... Yeah, uh, basically after 15 years, I was 40. I, uh, I, I and I felt an entrepreneurial itch, I guess. Um, and I ran into two other guys who had, I, I felt a great idea for starting a consultancy focused on helping CMOs and global brand leaders to really globalize their, their marketing. Um, 
and build the capabilities that you need to do so. And that is, um, and so roughly 10 years I, I spent building a, a consultancy with them. Um, uh, after four, four years in, my family and I moved to the United States to, to help build the business here. And we're still in the States. Uh, the business is gone. Uh, after that, I, I spent a few years at, uh, at Interbrand, as you mentioned, and then uh, just over four years ago, joined PepsiCo in this role, where in an interesting, for me, interesting way, my, my, a lot of aspects of my background are coming together. Um, and, and you could argue even my, my father's profession. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, uh, so it's kind of full circle, uh, you could say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you, you know, a couple months ago, you know, we, we had um, uh, Dr. Debravander on the show from, from right. Pepsi R&D. Uh, and we we're talking about sort of this uh, big, big picture perspective. We have Pepsi, this uh, $70 billion company with these major what we'll call blockbuster brands, the Pepsis and the Doritos and so forth, the world. Yet, you know, she pointed out these trends that uh, out there in the world nowadays, we have consumers that are much more interested in personalization, uh, connecting to brands at a, a much more deeper level than in the past. And then obviously uh, sustainability and, and all sorts of these issues are coming to play. Uh, you you know you lead this uh, consumer insight analytics team. Six hundred people reporting to you. Uh, talk a little bit about sort of the, the overall responsibilities of your group, and ultimately over time, as you've you know you've dealt with many of these blockbuster brands over your career, how you've seen things change uh, in the in the fast moving consumer good industry towards this more personalized approach in uh, in the twenty first century. Yeah, that's quite a big uh, that's quite a big uh, question, uh, Ira. Um, um, so I think the the um, let me start with the, the role of my my team. And um, you're right. There's I think we, we you know it's it's now a bit more because we made some organizational changes. Uh, but there, there's there's roughly 750 people in in what PepsiCo defines as this consumer insight space all, all over the company, working every day with brand teams or with customers, um, with with channel leaders, or directly with consumers, because they pick up the phone uh, in in consumer relations teams, um, um, and those people are embedded in, in in the businesses all over the world. Um, the I, I look at that large group of people as a as the consumer insights family, right? And uh, the my role is to is to really uh, get the most out of that of all those uh, efforts that the, that the family makes all over PepsiCo for for our business as as possible. Um, the key thing that I do and that my direct team, that is part of the global group, uh, does, is to to build what I like to call the global might for the local fight. Right. So I, I'm looking for opportunities to leverage PepsiCo scale to get better at doing the local insights uh, work in, say, Moscow or uh, Rio de Janeiro or or Berlin or Hyderabad, India. Right. And um, so a lot of the focus that, uh, that we have is on global capabilities, which is to my earlier point when I said full circle in my career, which is really where the focus of my consultancy also was on, right? It's really like helping marketers to, to leverage the scale 
for better and, uh, and a more sustainable business uh, progress in, in their local markets. So that is really where um, my, my core focus is. And, 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 in, and that focus is, of course, in the context of, where, of, of changing consumer behavior and, and, and changing markets. And, uh, of course, we had more than our, or are still having more than our fair share of disruption and change over the past, uh, now, what is it, year and a half. Um, there's always this cliche that people who, who <laughs> uh, this cliche of people who are in some, uh, somehow responsible for looking into the future or, or people who are responsible for consumer insights sometimes say like the rate of change is, is never going to be this slow, uh, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, everything is, uh, the, the change is accelerating, but I do think it's actually, you know, the disruption of COVID and the, the whole, the, the pandemic has really uh, shaken people up to a large extent all mm-hmm. over the world. And with, with, if you shake up people, you shake up their, 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 their specific needs and wants um, and, and they're rethinking their dreams, they're rethinking their life. And with that come a lot of changes that, that uh, we are uh, yeah, grappling with today, all of us individually, but also, of course, also a company like PepsiCo. Mm-hmm. And those changes are, if you want, kind of a, on top of a more, um, um, let's say, um, societal changes like, like, like the digitalization of, of life in general. The fact that people in certainly in the western world and increasingly in well and certainly by the way also in china but increasingly also in in less developed economies people are expecting uh, not to be treated as an average consumer but they expect to be treated as ira right and uh, and and, or as stefan and um and so and, and they want to be talked to in ways that are relevant for them so when i um, when I was, uh, say, uh, 12 years old and I was sitting on the couch at, at 7 p.m. after dinner with my parents um, and uh, I would be watching TV, uh, first of all, I would do it with my, with my mom and my brother and, and sometimes my dad. Um, there would be two channels to choose from <laughs> and I would be sitting through an endless array of ad- advertising from brands that meant nothing to me, right? And, uh, and obviously those days are over um, and I, you know, I happen to have uh, my wife, Meg, and four teenage kids. Uh, most of the kids um, have been home over the summer, right? Uh, there's literally not been one moment other than the final of the the Euro uh, uh, Cup uh, soccer. <laughs> Just other than that, fi- watching that final, we have not watched the same thing together mm. at all, right? Over the past summer, everybody has uh, multiple screens to choose from, and everybody has a, all behind those screens are tailored are algorithms that tailor the content to their specific interests, their specific life stage, their specific what have you, and that um, uh, that is a powerful new way, a powerful new world of doing marketing, right? Uh, that that offers a lot of opportunities. It has downsides as well, uh, societal downsides that 
that have become apparent uh, over the years, uh, over the last couple of years in, in, in the United States for sure. Um, but, um, but for a marketeer of consumer goods like PepsiCo, it has a lot of opportunities to just do more relevant marketing and to talk to people in ways that are more um, engaging and, and also more fun. Another really important societal trend if you want, is, is the fact that indeed the, the expectations of, of consumers when it comes to what, brand, what brands do in the world mm -hmm. have significantly changed. And, are, and COVID has also accelerated that. Um, uh, right? So people look at brands not, not just as producers of products, but they... And, and, and they don't judge brands and, and products just by their specific uh, clothes in functionality, but they also look at the company behind it. What is that company doing to, uh, you know, to, to, to make this world a, a pleasant place uh, to live in uh, for as many people as possible? Um, and so these are just a couple of, if you want, really macro trends that I'm mm -hmm. sure are not new for anybody. But, but the, the impact of those trends has been accelerated in some instances by, by COVID for sure. If you think about uh, the, the time people have spent over the last, uh, since the pandemic began, the time people have spent on their devices. Oh, yeah. and, right? and, and, and you think about uh, uh, brands like, uh, well, it could be Spotify, right? For, for example, and how fast uh, they have grown or Amazon, how fast Amazon has grown um, um, or just e-commerce in general uh, for, for retailers uh, uh, from consumer goods or, or whatever uh, category. That is... That is not um, that's not going going to be reversed, right? Exactly. If you have an underlying trend, and then a disruption that accelerates uh, adoption and that accelerates behavior change, then the world has become a different place. And suddenly, even my parents, who are now in their eighties, are ordering their groceries online, yep. and and they're not going to go back to the supermarket. Yep. Why? You know, this this is working. <laughs> And so you, you, get, you get lasting behavior change that, uh, that has a huge impact on everyday life and hence on everyday products and, and uh, marketers of, of everyday type of brands like Doritos and, uh, and Pepsi. And you, know, you, you mentioned um, at the beginning there, you, know, you talked about sort of uh, digitalization and I've, I've watched some interviews with you about sort of uh, how you've built this in-house digitalization strategy whereby uh, in the past there might have been some uh, focus group data and some primary data out there, but now you have a deluge of everything from uh, tweets to blog posts, message boards. Uh, you're collecting so much information um, that you know, gives access to the consumer's mind. Uh, and then I've also heard you talk about something that you refer to as empathy at scale this empathy gap that's been created because we have so much data now, uh, you know, where is the consumer and all this? Talk a little bit about um, sort of this concept of empathy at scale and then how your use of digitalization, maybe some of these uh, different uh, tools that I've read about recently that you're using help you uh, sift through and mold some of this deluge of data that we have in front of us in 2021. Yeah, sure. And that's, um, I'd love to. I, I, I think the, um, 
what it what it all boils down to is that uh, at mo at its most fundamental level is that indeed if you want there is in, in a deluge of uh, deluge I think is a, I should pronounce it uh, of of data available about consumer uh, behavior. Um, what people talk about, uh, when, uh, where, uh, we sit on Twitter or Instagram, uh, at what time, uh, who is talking about it, and, and, and all that is just one, one example of, a, of, a, of a, an ocean of data that you have available about, for example, uh, uh, snacking in the morning when you're at home. Right. I mean, if you pick right. a topic like that, right? I mean, you can you can find you can find so much data online, and specifically, yeah, you know, through your e-commerce uh, platforms, because you can see who is buying what and when, and, and, and um, uh, you uh, people often ask questions when they when they connect through e-commerce or they connect with the consumer relations. Or they talk about it online and they ask questions or they make recipes or they give tips. All of that you can find so much data on. But what people often forget is that, but, but that why people want that particular snack at that point in time, right? And, and, and really the motivations behind uh, the, the question in the first place or the, or the need in the first place, that is rough to, that's tougher to get from data. And that is where, where I, I always like to say that, the, you, you know, the, the data is, 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 is incredibly powerful to point you in a certain direction, but then you have to go really deep and understand uh, you know, through being really empathetic with other, other humans who lead other lives than, than, than me and you, um, uh, to really understand why they have that need and why at that point in time and why that category. And, and so what really, what really talented consumer insights professionals bring to the bring to the uh, to the company, bring to the party, is um, is kind of a consumer science type of approach, mm -hmm. right? It's it's like it's like the the data, the analytics, and and the granularity of all that, and the empathy that drives a, 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 a real insight into why people uh, have that have that need and, and, and want that thing um, uh, in the first place. And so now um, when you say empathy or when I say empathy at scale, of, of course, ideally you find ways of of, of connecting with that why uh, in, in, a, in an efficient way, right? So there's, you can of course do, uh, let's say focus groups or store visits or in-home visits with consumers in, uh, in a lot of different uh, markets. And, and we do that. Um, by the way, we, we can't do that now and we haven't been able to do that for a year and a half because of COVID. So you're, you start looking for other ways, not only to be more efficient, but also to deal with the, the, um, with the pandemic. And so there's, there's tools out there that, for example, uh, one tool that we use is a tool that, that has uh, agreed with uh, uh, thousands of households all over the world to place uh, a camera in their kitchen that's always on. And people get paid a little bit of money for that. It's, it's of course, with people's consent, right? That speaks for itself. 
and, uh, and, and people are interested in contributing to kind of an ongoing research at, as to, you know, what, what happens in the kitchen during the day. And what happens in the kitchen is a lot more than, let's say, cooking. There's also a lot of conversation. There's a lot of uh, kids climbing on chairs to grab cookies at certain times of the day. There's a lot of why did why did you not eat uh, your your lunchbox uh, at school yet again uh, today? <laughs> a kind of conversation. And um, if you collect a lot of uh, material like that, with the help of of uh, or, or, uh, you can you can get the help of AI of a machine to sift through all of that material and and find nuggets of observations that lead you to 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 insights. Um, that are really meaningful uh, and that, that really drive uh, different commercial decisions and uh, decisions around new products, new campaigns, targeting uh, certain people uh, in certain times of days with advertising, etc. So empathy at scale is really a kind of a, a, a to bring balance to, to, the, to, to, to the incredible amount of data and, and facts uh, that, that, that we have access to. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, facts, data points are reflecting, are, are reflecting existing behavior, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and if uh, Steve Jobs would have looked at existing behavior only with his whole team at Apple, he would have never come up with an iPhone right, right. because existing behavior was, you know, was not necessarily giving you a hint uh, of the fact that uh, you would, you know, while grocery shopping, want to call your wife uh, or partner uh, to say that the cauliflower is sold out. Uh, and, and <laughs> is there an alternative that uh, he or she uh, would, would prefer you to buy? I mean, if somebody asks you that question, like, oh, yeah, I've got a, an idea for a new device, would you do that? People, nine out of 10 people will say, sorry, I can figure that out myself. I don't have to call my, my spouse. But we all do that now because the thing is there, right? Yep. Uh, and so that's, that's what um, empathy at scale boils down to for me. Um, Wonderful. And, you know, let's talk, uh, Continuing on that, I, so moving from uh, understanding sort of what people want uh, into you know, going a little further now, there was a, you know, a fascinating article in um, Venture Beat magazine last month uh, uh, in, in where you were profiled. It was entitled How PepsiCo Uses Artificial Intelligence to Create Products that Consumers Don't Know They Want. Uh, and, and here, you know, you go into there's a, a fascinating discussion about a tool called TasteWise that you work with, where you look for literally billions of recipes and social media posts. And there's a fascinating seaweed story here. Um, Oh, Thomas, sorry, go, go into this a little bit, because I really think this is another fascinating example of, of the depth and, and sort of the uniqueness uh, of, of what you're capable of finding in this data, but also now tools like artificial intelligence, which we've discussed in other shows in terms of drug discovery and, and, and other tools, uh, how this now comes back into sort of our daily life and, and, and these consumer decisions. Uh, uh, the bottom, at the bottom line, it's not uh, dissimilar to the, to the iPhone example I just gave. Yeah. I think... Uh, or, or, the, or the ultimate cliche of all cliches in marketing of Henry Ford's quote of if I would have asked consumers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that is, that is how the human brain works. Yeah. So if 
if you see, if we see through Trendscope, which is a tool that we use a lot, uh, that 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 looks at what people talk about uh, in social media, right? Um, um, and, uh, uh, Twitter, all sorts of message boards, and 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 all sorts of blog posts, and and, and whatever you and all. Of it. And so, what people talk about is a good reflection of what they have on their mind. And um, so. At some point, what we find when it comes to, uh, and of course you have to, there's so much, you have to like, you have to like uh, segment what you're looking for. So if you, if you're segmenting all that talk uh, and, or quote unquote noise, if you want, if you're, you're, you're segmenting it to food related um, uh, conversations and, uh, and you can teach an algorithm to, to look for that, right? Um, and, uh, and and um, if the algorithm then spits out like yeah, these are there's there's a lot of people talking about seaweed now in all sorts of recipes, um, and uh, for all sorts of reasons there's been a, there there's perceived or or and or actual health benefits there's the particular particular taste there's a goal there there's a, there's always a, a search for innovation and something new so there's there's that. So people are increasingly, increasingly, let's say, in, 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 with increasing volume of conversation talking about this, this ingredient when it comes to all those conversations that relate to food. The algorithm can see not only that there's a lot of people talking about it, but also how, how that volume of conversations develops over time. And the algorithm has done that thousands and thousands and thousands of times of times over the past what uh, now two years that we work with, with this particular tool that the algorithm does that while when you and I are asleep or doing stuff with our kids that algorithm never sleeps right so the, so there's like thousands and thousands of times an algorithm looks at at how um, uh, conversations around a certain ingredient how they how they develop over time and it can actually then learn which of those things have a shot at, at sticking, right? And so it can actually predict in this case that seaweed is not just a fat that will go away, but it can predict that that is something that is has staying power. Mm -hmm. That makes it interesting for us to think about it uh, as, a, as a potential idea for some of our products. And, uh, and we took that idea and applied it to, to, uh, to, to a savory snack. And... And, and lo and behold, consumers love it. Right? Now, the thing is, if you, if you research this in the traditional way and you write a concept, uh, we have an idea for a new snack and it's uh, seaweed flavored and this is what it looks like, right? That's the way concept research for, you know, uh, uh, is typically done still by most companies. If then you and you show that to consumers, they'll say like, seriously, seaweed? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't really see that uh, connecting well with, with snacks. But if you just know that consumers are very interested in that ingredient and you, and you make the leap for them and you actually, you know, hand them the product uh, to try it out. And then, then, then suddenly there's an unmet need uh, 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 fulfilled and, and consumers are, are very enthusiastic about it. 
And another example of AI is a tool that I, I, is so powerful in its simplicity, and that is like a, 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 a taste-wise and, and a startup from, from, uh, from that we found when we were talking with a lot of startups actually in Tel Aviv, uh, so two years ago. Um, and what they do is they build an algorithm that just looks at each and every menu that is posted online by restaurants, snack bars, any type of uh, food venue. Uh, today, all food venues in the world have their menu online. So why not scan that for trends? Because nine out of 10 times, trends before they hit the, the supermarket shelf or, or the e-commerce quote unquote shelf, uh, they will come to life in, in, in restaurants and they will come to life in, in certain uh, away from home uh, venues where that type of innovation is, uh, is typically ahead of the supermarket, right? And, and so case-wise gives us a lot of direction also as to what is, uh, what people are experimenting with and what people are you know, you know, interested in when it comes to cuisines in general and then within that specific ingredient. So that's a kind of a, um, a proactive way of, of working as a marketer when it comes to innovation that is enabled by AI, that is enabled by that ginormous amount of data that is out there that, that you can mine. Mm -hmm. It enables you to just literally look around the corner about what people are kind of secretly uh, interested in. Or secretly. Yep. Not that they actively keep it a secret, but they're not really aware of the fact that they are up for a, a seaweed flavored potato chip. <laughs> Fascinating, completely fascinating. Um, Stefan, you know, obviously, you know, Pepsi um, several years ago under uh, one of its rock star CEOs, Indra Nooyi, um, it was a major sort of repositioning of the company back then in terms of uh, moving towards healthy, better for you uh, alternatives. Um, I'm just interested in a lot of this because you're, you're, you're mining so much data um, and, and I come out of the pharmaceutical industry and we have a, a, sm a much smaller set of, of stuff that we look at, but um, I just want to, obviously nothing confidential here, but um, any interesting insights that pop up when you're, you know, uh, working on uh, flavors or textures or this and that and the other thing uh, about sort of sort of the next generation of, of of healthy products, the good for you side of things, and sort of where we're going with that? Because I know there's always been a, a contention between a sort of pharma and food. You know, what's the future of health? You know, where does it reside, or is it somewhere in between? Any interesting trends that you see on the functional food side of things, functional drinks, things in this area that uh, it might be able to highlight to us through uh, some of the work that you do. Yeah, so that's, there's a couple of questions in, 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 in what you just said, right? Um, health and, and functional food are, they're, they're overlap, but they're, they're two different things. Right. Let me talk about health first. And I, I think, um, again, uh, this is a health as, a, as, a, as, a, as an area of, of, uh, of interest and concern with consumers is a great example of, a, of an area that has been becoming more and more um, important for people mm -hmm. over time, and hence also for companies that cater to people, but that, um, that uh, 
a fact that has truly accelerated as a result of COVID for a yep. lot of consumers. It's just like with e-commerce, if you want, that's been growing steadily over for 10 years and suddenly it's doubling in size. Yep. The, I think when I think about that, I think, uh, you know, what one of the things that, that um, the COVID pandemic really and very painfully uh, made clear is that your underlying condition was was a was a, a, a solid predictor of the outcome of 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 your of your uh, of your infection, right? Yep. And so, if you're overweight, if you have uh, diabetes, if your if your blood pressure is too high, that that those were all um, negative indicators for for a good outcome. And so, so. For, for, for a lot of people, when they think about their health, they think about managing their weight, they think about what they eat and drink to, to keep themselves healthy. All of that was always a long-term thing. It's, it's a bit like smoking is bad for you. I know it's bad for me. I'll deal with that uh, when yeah. I have to deal with that, right? Yep. And, but, but that was suddenly like right now. I mean, there was like an instant uh, need for for... Um, and, and concern about about your underlying health. So the so the interest in in what we call whole health uh, with consumers has um, has really increased significantly. Now you you see that in things like hygiene, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, and, and, uh, and cleanliness and and, and 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 cleaning your home, wearing masks, and and and, and uh, am I uh, hugging people, kissing my friends, or 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 or, or just offering up my elbow? All of the, you see all of that. You also sure. see that in in eating and drinking, of course. So there's a lot uh, that that definitely has a significant impact, of course, on on the the way we look at our portfolio of brands and the way we look at our portfolio of categories and, and products. Now, again, that is not something new. We've, we've been looking at that and, and making changes uh, 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 over the, oh, since 15, 20 years already. And, and again, to your point, indeed, uh, uh, our, our previous CEO really uh, jump-started that uh, uh, more than, a, more than a, well more than a decade ago, uh, slightly ahead of the curve compared to other companies. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, we're thankful that that, that happened because right now uh, you have like, our, we have very strong positions in uh, zero sugar uh, drinks, uh, beverages, for example, mm-hmm. that are growing very fast. And, and, um, and we are in a position today that we can be in because uh, in, in those uh, markets, because, uh, because we started uh, 10, 15 years ago. So that is a, that is um Something we're actively uh, uh, working on, uh, working in, and and with every single day, and I would say increasingly so, as a result of the uh, the pandemic and uh, and the disruption as it has brought to consumers, um, the the level of consciousness with which consumers are living in general and specifically deciding on their food and beverage choices. At the same time, though. And, 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 and uh, had, when, when we talk about health, um, the discussion often goes to like physical health, right? And, right. and, uh, and as, as I just did myself. But let's not forget that 
that um, an, an indulgent snack like like uh, potato chips uh, that, that you eat uh, when you're with or by yourself when you want to unwind at the end of the day or you're with friends or your family or your kids or in whatever setting there is a there's a huge value in in that moment of indulgence and 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 the unwinding that that comes with that yeah. so not surprisingly, the, as, and, and this is very, you know, this is public, we're a public company, mm -hmm. our, our snacks business has done tremendously well over the course of uh, the pandemic. Uh, even though what I just said about health considerations is very true, uh, at the same time, everybody was spending a lot more time at home uh, in a lot smaller, uh, let's say, social uh, circle for, for an extended period of time. And, um, and, and, and people were snacking more at home. And, and, that is, um, and that is, of course, thankfully with the pandemic now in, in some parts of the world easing down a little bit. And we're, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that overall uh, in, in many markets, unfortunately not everywhere, but in many markets, we're getting a better handle on, on, on the pandemic. Yep. Um, uh, and still the, 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 the rates of consumption of, of these products are, are still higher than they were uh, before. So there's a, there's a different role for different categories, right? And there's a different, and, 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 and uh, zero sugar drinks uh, uh, and, and, and uh, potato chips, right? They, they both have their, their, their role, their, and their complementary. Um, uh, a, a zero salt potato chip will probably not sell very well, right? <laughs> uh, well, actually we know it won't. So, so every category uh, deals with this in its own way. Now, second part of your question was about functional food, right? Yep. And I think there's a, that is an ongoing uh, area of, of, uh, of, of, of interest for us. And I, I, I think in your conversation with Ellen, you, you guys talked about that as well. Um, uh, functional foods is a, I think it's not necessarily something that immediately uh, comes to mind with the core of our categories. Uh, um, uh, so indulgent snacking or, 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 or beverages. However, uh, in some of the innovations, like a, like a, like a, a beverage that helps with uh, falling asleep at night, for example, right. there, there are, um, uh, there are definitely opportunities for for functional foods within within our categories, and um, but, but I think it's for a company like ours, uh, scale is important, right? We, oh yeah. Where we add a lot of value to, uh, let's say, for consumers as well as customers as well as ourselves, is if we can do something really at scale. Yeah. Um, if things are uh, are um, we we can do that very well, and, and hence we have value. If things are uh, niche opportunities, that's typically not uh, very easy for us to, to do that well. Right. And we're, sure. we're we're trying to um, uh, we're we're building capabilities uh, in that space, and uh, and with uh, keto friendly snacks, for yeah. example, and uh, etc. And then the beverage I just mentioned, um, but. Compared to the the, the big uh, biggest parts of our our, our business, uh, they are relatively small still. Thank you, thank you for uh, for that overview. 
Um, Stefan, coming back now, just to the general theme of innovation, you've walked us through this amazing uh, digitalization uh, program, uh, remote monitoring, artificial intelligence. Um, any other really cool tools? Anything I missed that you, you uh, that's not confidential that you might want to mention that uh, uh, adds this really unique um, engine that you have for understanding the consumer mind in 2021? Uh, I, th I think the uh, I think what we um... What we've done really well over the past number of years is that uh, to my earlier point about building the global might for the local fight uh, and leveraging PepsiCo scale is that it used to be the case uh, three, four years ago that if you would test a certain innovation idea or you would test a certain advertising idea in some place in the world, the local team would learn from that and, and that was it. And um, we, we spent a lot of energy and a lot of resources over the past years to standardize the ways of testing and digitalize the ways of testing on, on, the, on the most important types of testing that we do. With, as a result, we've, we, can, we now have those, those testing tools live on one global digital platform that we, we've named ADA, named after ADA okay. Loveless, right? Sure. And, um, um, and that platform is able to, uh, as a result of that platform, every time anybody in PepsiCo tests a certain ad or tests a certain ad product, the whole of PepsiCo gets smarter because the data uh, of that, that the learnings from that from that particular test go into one central database, and so we can do what what we call meta learning, and and, and uh, we are not dependent on any uh, let's say outside vendor or search right, right, right. consultancy for 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 that. Now. Uh, that is a that that is a, a way of of building a capability within your company that we are deploying in more and more parts of the insights, and frankly also the marketing capability journey. Um, and so that is a that enables us to be uh, a lot smarter. Uh, it enables us to be a lot more efficient. It, uh, uh, but it but uh, most of all, it enables us to be just better at understanding who has a preference for what and, and, and why better, because we, we can really mine that data really well. And um, that is, um, um, now on that ADA platform, right, there's like a transactional platform where we do a lot of testing. Mm -hmm. We've also built uh, and are in the process of rolling out Ask ADA, which is our knowledge management platform, which, which PepsiCo never really had in, in consumer insights. And so, uh, for the first time now, you can you can really, you know, go on Ask Ada and just ask a question, literally, like you would do with Google yep. uh, when when you're in Manila or in Moscow or uh, or in Atlanta, it doesn't matter where you are, and you can and you can um, uh, ask uh, Ada uh, all sorts of questions about specific, you know, uh, the development of specific categories in specific markets and whatever you. And the beauty of that is when I, I'm, I'm of an age where um, uh, when systems like that were, were made, when I started my career, like knowledge management platforms, or mm -hmm. they were often called executive information systems, for example, um, they were always about creating a database where stuff gets funneled into. And then there was an interface that talked with that database. The beauty of, of the way software works today is that you don't have to create a separate database at all. You just create a, a very a, a smart 
user interface that can talk to all sorts of different data sources and just pulls the, the relevant data points and the relevant information, the relevant reports or relevant interviews or whatever it is in depending on your question. That is so flexible and easy to set up, relatively speaking, and, and, so, and, and so powerful for the, the marketers and insights professionals within the company. I'm super excited about that. Um, so it's quite, obviously, it's a, it's a very internal uh, thing, but, sure. uh, but uh, that's, that's part of my role, right? It's not only looking out, it's also about enabling all those people in PepsiCo to do the best possible job they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it, it's been a fascinating journey uh, that you've taken us through today in terms of understanding these motivations, these behaviors, and, and sort of the detail and uh, uh, the elegance of which you've put all this together. A re really fascinating work, Stefan. And it's just, uh, I really want to thank you for, for taking the time to share with us uh, you know, another member of the Pepsi family and just the, the intricate, uh, you know, advanced thinking that, uh, that goes on in organizations. It's really, uh, really an interesting topic. And um, for, uh, for everybody that's going to be listening to uh, this particular show uh, on our podcast or watching uh, on our YouTube channel. You've been, once again, listening to Stefan Gahn, Senior Vice President and Chief Consumer Insights and Analytical Officer at PepsiCo. Uh, Stefan, I want to take time to say thank you for, for taking time out of your schedule to, to talk to us uh, and walk us through this amazing system that you've developed. Uh, thanks for everything you're doing there to, to customize and personalize all our uh, consumer experiences. And as we like to say on our show, thank you for the helping to create the better tomorrow with all these types of innovations. It's a really fascinating story. My pleasure, Ira. Great, uh, Ira, great to talk to you.